welcome to the Coaching Focus podcast. I'm Trayton Vance, CEO and founder of Coaching Focus. I've been coaching for over 25 years and I wanted to share that experience and those lessons learned with you. I will converse with fellow coaches, chief executive officers, senior leaders and HR professionals to bring you insight into how coaching is being used, the current thinking around coaching and new ideas that will hopefully ignite your thinking and help to facilitate coaching for a better tomorrow. My guest today is Catherine Rowe. Catherine is the chief exec of Elior UK. Elior are a French-based company servicing the food and beverage sector, a sector which over the last couple of years have been challenged primarily due to the global pandemic. I've worked with Catherine and her leadership team through this period and wanted the chance to reflect and explore with Catherine the factors that have helped her and her team get through such challenging times. Catherine, welcome. It's a real pleasure to be able to connect and explore with you the key factors that have helped you and your business sustain your ongoing success. Hello, Trayton. Well, my background is probably a bit strange when you look at where I ended up, but I was a science graduate and quite commercially minded. I did one year in in the accounting world but decided I didn't want to become a full-blown accountant but that year that I did a foundation form was probably one of the most important years of my life because it really gave me interest in joining the business world and so I worked my way through really because I think that's what you have to do earn your spurs and move on in a less formal environment than, than there is today as far as job creation and job uh, progression so um you know I've always worked really hard I, I ended up with my first uh, connection with the city in the accounting world through to working for the Ladbroke group which was a big leisure group at the time and in various financial roles to start with and then I ended up in purchasing because you know there was a lot of supplies to be bought in the meantime the company itself was growing a lot it was um, acquiring loads of businesses it was almost crazily doing so. You know, woke up one morning and they bought, not not merged, with Hilton International. So, you know, that opened up a huge opportunity for me where I was um, travelling the world and uh, inputting systems, setting up best practice for procurement and earning them better deals and money. So um, from there I moved on to the contract catering world where I had an interview where I thought I was going to be a purchasing manager and it ended up I was purchasing director. And day two went on the board. I was the only female and a, a group of 13 men. So that had to be worked out. I was very shy and I just had a baby. So it was, you know, I've always had <laughs> been thrown in the deep end, I think. But, you know, it was hard in those days to, to really map out your career and you, you sort of just had to take opportunities as they came along. I think at one point in my career, we didn't have such a thing as a job description, which is bizarre when you think about it now. But certainly if you did a good job and impressed important people, you know, you could progress. It was rather a simple, but not a very good, good method of progressing people. So I think I never really stopped and looked at what my strengths and weaknesses were. I never really self-reflected. You want to talk about going through what I'm going through now with coming out of the pandemic and into a crazy world, really, with everything that's going on. Um, I was reading in the 
economist, I think it was the other day, which said that the pandemic marked the end of stability, which is an interesting way of, of putting it. But, you know, I, I was in the hospitality, I am in the hospitality world. And so everything you read that, that this sector had it very, very badly hitting them in terms of the shutdown and the, the lockdown. Um, and yes, we did. So the, the first hurdle for me was working from home. I work for a company that, that care about people dining in the workplace. So, you know, when Boris Johnson, that famous Friday night said, which was about um, at the anniversary is now, I think, when he said, go and stay at home six o'clock this evening. You know, I thought, my God, we'll have no business left. Fortunately, we, we had some, but it was a very low percentage. It's the stuff of nightmares. You know, when you wake up and think, God, I, I dreamt that my whole business closed down. Well, that happened. Uh, and so that that took some getting my head round. And all I remember is sitting in my little office at home, which was really makeshift at that point because I wasn't a home worker at all really I used to, used to work you know but not not formally sitting at a desk all the time I think all my nervousness was taken over by what suddenly had to be done I mean we realized the first job was to get everybody else working from home properly with computers which they hadn't got so you know we had to buy them all and they'd got um, mainframes on the desks but not portables and you know they had to run the payroll and the playing suppliers and you know it was really so I was, I was sort of at first really taken over with some immediate actions and so you know that that I started to think a lot I had more time to think because I wasn't traveling everywhere I started to map out what the implications could be my my boss and manager they they reside in Paris so they were seeing similar but but different you know so I had to keep reminding them that they'd got furlough and we hadn't. So, for instance, you know, and at first, and I could tell that they were very stressed, actually, at first. And that was a bit, threw me a bit, because you always expect it. <laughs> the people above you know what's happening. And, of course, mm. no one did. And so I, I really had to sort of tell myself a few things and tell myself to, you know, keep calm. Let's think of the worst scenario. And I, I can remember saying to the team, we had a, a meeting at eight o'clock every morning to, to see what's happened the day before. And I remember thinking, you know, that this is going to go on for a long time. And, and they didn't actually agree with me on that. But I said, I think, OK, let's assume it is going to go on for a long time. You know, let's hope it's only three months, but it could be could be a year. And so that caused me to make the changes to costs, et cetera, and people and changes in the, in the right way really motoring on getting the furlough in and so that we could survive and Catherine thank you for sharing that so if I just step back from that that brilliant story both of your career and and what you did through and the pandemic and, and where you are now I guess what are some of those elements that you think you pulled on to keep resilient to keep focused to to keep your career going at pace quite a fast track career and then to maintain the business which got impacted hugely by by covid uh, the hospitality world of course so what were the things that you noticed that you did as a the leader to maintain that resilience? well i hadn't actually started um the coaching course properly at that, that point i don't think because i remember having the sessions with you 
from my house. So I must it must have started before. So I say I never ever worked from home. I didn't sure. think it was ever going to happen. Um, the one thing I did was um, probably second guess what you were going to teach me to train, the, visualizing the future and, and sitting and thinking about what what could possibly happen and what's likely and what wouldn't happen. And with the benefit of hindsight, I was pretty accurate on most things, but there were some really scary things that I didn't even think about. I'm glad I didn't. And then, you know, you always talk about the inner voice. Well, the inner voice, I, without knowing too much about it, I did silence it. Um, and I got the inner voice to keep on telling me to, to keep strong and keep positive and don't panic. And... Um, I also consulted an awful lot with everybody else and read everything I could possibly get my hands on, you know, even about previous situations like this, what what might they do? I, I think the one thing that came out probably for every company is that we started talking to our competitors in a more, in a closer manner because uh, we all had the same issues. So there were various groupings. I mean, we, we you know, if I see a competitor, I'm always having a great chat but it, it it's usually fairly mm. narrow what, what we talk about and generalizations i suppose about the marketplace etc but this was a, a a really different relationship what i'm hearing is three things here is about visualizing how the new world is going to be and having that understanding and trying to process that and understand it the other element is around trying to uh control that that inner voice and that doubt and that nervousness that mm. you that you heard from your French bosses and and the third one is about communicating with others and understanding from a different perspective competitors as well what others are thinking what others are seeing and what others are doing and using those that all of that data from those three points to help direct you on a day-to-day -day basis yes and, and over time I think probably all of us started to get more confidence and you know and then like the group the, the my french bosses they, they they started to have a really good good way of working to guide us etc you know they got us to focus on on the important things like the preservation of cash for instance which we'd never focused on so much they changed the budgeting process they changed what our kpis were so that we could focus on you know, they, they sort of accepted that we wouldn't make profits, but we'd got to keep cash in the bank. That was the, the only thing, really. And so once we had things to hang on to and to, yeah. to strive for, it, you know how they do this. If, you, if you're making losses, there's a thing you have to look at about mitigating some of those losses. So that it's, that you, you're then targeted on, on your percentage of mitigation. And so that was an interesting one. So giving yourself and I guess your leadership team and, and those that, 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 that your followers that focus point and something that they felt in control of realizing that there would be loss and risks aligned to that. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And so that gave us something to get up in the morning for in a sense. For me, you know, my sort of worst moments were thinking, God, I'm trying to run this business that isn't, you know, we haven't lost all these contracts. They're just closed. And we've got all these people that, that we're trying to find work for or trying to pay their 
their their pay um, without them doing any work, you know, with a, and there's there's lots of costs that you can't avoid, you know. So it, it was this worry all the time about the bottom line. We're having to do forecasts every week, right? Um, because the ever changing position. So and at that time there was no real hope about this virus, was there? Really early on there wasn't, and that did scare me. So we had this eight o'clock meeting, and every, every time, particularly on a Monday morning, I was afraid to turn the screen on because I, I, I thought there might not be people there because they'd gone off sick. So it wasn't just and the I, commercial, it was the, sort of the impact of COVID yeah. on your colleagues as well. Yeah. And, yeah, and finally one of them did, and he was probably the fittest of all of us, and he was very, very ill that first time, really ill. No anti, you know, there were no um, vaccines or anything. He texted me once throughout the thing, and he said, "I know I said maybe it's better if we all catch it to get it get it over with." He said, "Don't don't think like that, Catherine." Mm. He said, "I've never been so ill in my life," and that that absolutely, you know, brought it home to earth that we, you know, I looked at my own family. I thought we've got to be careful, you know, and so is everybody else. So I had then quite a few what if scenarios. What if Half the board go down with it. What if I go down with it? How will people feel if I go down with it? You know, and yeah. um, I was very fortunate. I, I did get it, but not for, not until the November. So by that stage, I think I think we'd had one jab. Yeah. As a leader, I guess what I'm hearing is is not just the context in which you're dealing, but the different levels. So concern for your board members, concern for obviously for yourself and and your people close to you. And then concerns for your team and, and those that, that, that they lead. So how did you manage, let's call it, that that fear and those concerns to, to stay resilient and focused? I think essentially, particularly in a crisis, I'm probably more positive than I think I am. <laughs> okay. um, but I, I was constantly reading all the science magazines, etc. I went back to my old science background. My daughter's in science, so she was telling me lots of things. And um, my friends from Oxford University knew the person, people from the Women of the Year knew the woman who was um, really close to getting the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah. And I was I was constantly telling everyone, you know, my French colleagues, they they were a bit glum at one point because was, there didn't seem to be much happening with vaccines in their country. And I was sending them stuff, etc. And I, I said, I, I don't know whether I was keeping myself buoyant or everybody else or just being annoying, you know, but I just did that. Because yeah. um, I think you have to have some hope somewhere. You always have to have hope, don't you? to try and keep positive. So I, I really tried that. But, you know, the strangest thing of all is, as I'm quite a private person, that I felt the working from home thing was almost like an intrusion into my private life because I was having to film from my house. Not that I've got anything to hide, but, you know, I just, just felt that was really strange. And I, I, I felt that the whole demarcation of your working life and your private life had gone because of this illness you know, so so suddenly it was everybody's business. If you started to cough, <laughs> sneeze, you know, it was everybody else's business. Where have you been? Who do you, you know, have you seen any? Have you been out, etc. What when you went to the supermarket, etc. And um, and that almost got worse as we we opened up more. Even this weekend, somebody phoned me and said they've got COVID over the weekend, and and they said, oh, guess what? I've been with this person, this person, this person. You know, I think here we go again. You know, that's. There was no closure. And so when I finally did get COVID, I found it quite a hard conversation telling people that I'd got mm. it. 
Mm. I had to miss something really major as well because of it, which caused mayhem. Um, So I had to do video intervention. I felt the pressure then a bit so that I I went on most of my meetings when I wasn't really fit enough. And as a senior leader, Catherine, with those different interventions that you're you know, are now the norm, right? So doing like we are now through sort of virtual rather than face-to-face, but having to work from home instead of in the office, what what was the things that kept you resilient through those changes of the way that you you had to work and still do have to work? Well, I always believed it would go and that, you know, we would open up again. I always believed in that with just, you know, because they, I thought even if we didn't find a cure or a vaccine, this is a cycle of life, you know, and I, I spoke to a few people in my personal life who really didn't think it would go. And they were absolutely rock bottom, you know, and I, and I, I thought, no, come on, there's, there's always a way around this. We're, we're in a civilised country, we've got great science, we've got a great um, NHS infrastructure, nothing else. We yeah. could get vaccines out, probably the best in the world. So I always had that in my mind and that pulled me personally through. And so from that, you know, I, I had quite a structured approach to the job, to getting all our KPIs, to preparing for opening, keeping the workforce very motivated and the group were doing the same. You know, we had some very great fun worldwide uh, conferences online and or I had UK ones. Um, I did uh, quite a bit of PR stuff to go out there. So, so I was trying to to show to the t- to the teams, I suppose, that I was very solid here. That okay, I was stuck in my room, but we were still going on. Yeah. What we could never forget is that many of our sites were open. They may not have had much turnover, much sales, but they were open, and so our teams had to work throughout. You know, we, we work in hospitals and care homes, and and so we had to keep it going for them and to make sure the people from home didn't forget them yeah so so that was it you know so we had our awards day as well online it became an interesting project in a sense that how can we get around this for everything we do you know we even sent um tea uh, hampers so that we could all have a cup of tea together okay nice and so they weren't all my ideas Trayton but it was just I think I stimulated things so I had to tell myself, no matter what, how I felt, even if I got the damn virus, I'd got to be there. Yeah. And what I'm hearing, Catherine, is hope was at the core of that, knowing that there would be an outcome, which was a solution yeah. would, would emerge, that you were doing things to motivate yourself, but more importantly, motivate those that are either working from home or, or on your, your sites and, and constant communication. And and in a way, sort of celebrating those small successes and staying focused on, you know, what was critical, what was important throughout that that crisis. We did, we had no choice. You know, we were really looking forward to meeting again. We reminded us what a great team we are because we missed each other. The first opportunity where you could sort of I can't remember now what 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 the arrangement was, but I went down to London for the first time and to the office and met five people. And we had a photo of us standing separate, but together, you know, and I put that yeah. all over the place on LinkedIn, on um, our internal stuff to say, look, we're here in the, in the London office. Yeah, um, getting back to normality, whatever the yeah, name yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Isn't it funny how your mind shuts down when you reflect on a difficult time? Because I can't remember all the bits now, all the progression. You know, I should have written it all down, really, but I didn't. Because we had openings up and then closing again and, and, and things like that, didn't we? But I think after that first journey outside, I believed this was the beginning of the end. And, you know, back home, I don't know how you felt, but we had all the family together, which was mm. nice. Ah. And we did a few things together, even if it was playing cards or having a meal delivered or whatever. And so just tried to get through it, really. Yeah, hunker down. I'm sure there will be another other crises. But if you were to be coaching another person that was having to go through this crisis, now that you know what you know, what would be some of the guidance and sort of key things for them to be able to build their own resilience and be even more ready for crisis like that well yes i mean i think anyone who lived through this whatever they're doing in life you know will be very much prepared for a crisis but of course it depends what it is i mean this one was potentially dangerous but we you know it's not like what the people in turkey and syria are going through so depends on the the the, the level of crisis here but we just take the work work play the corporate world you know i think yeah, I've got lots of things that I should have done differently and I would have done differently. And I'd say, you, you know, you have to list all of those. But I just go back, Trayton, to saying that I had to tell myself that no matter how scared I was, I'd got to, A, not show it, and B, overcome it to, to, to get clear thinking. Yeah. And when you're locked in your house for weeks and weeks on end and you haven't been for a long time, you do have thinking time and doing some. So what did I do, Trayton? I did my, my coaching qualification, which I was pleased to have the time to do that. But, you know, you, you use the GROW model all the time. So what is, it's really saying, what, what is the status here? What's the problem? What have we got to overcome? What might we have to overcome? What's the reality now? And what am I going to do about it? You know, it's those, even though I didn't know about the GROW model then, I... I was I was effectively doing it, and that sort of sitting down and and thinking the worst, and thinking the worst, and and then the, then the solution. Don't just leave it at the worst because that will really knock you over. I never know when I'm stressed. It's terrible, isn't it? I, <laughs> I, and people say to me they think that I'm never stressed, but during that time, you know, I had a few minor physical health issues that came along that I hadn't had before, and I think that was it. I remember waking up every morning. And I slept pretty well. But I think, oh, God, am I all right? I've got temperature. I've got, you know, and I, I, think, I think my very, very deep inner sanctum, if you like, was, was suffering. But I sometimes somehow managed to keep up appearances. And what were those things? Because, I mean, every, we're all human beings, right? So we're all vulnerable. And we will notice when we have a low point. And it, and it sounds like you had some of those that you go through, but you managed that very well so that the the sort of the front that you're able to put on to the people that you led were not noticing it but you obviously were personally noticing what were the things that got you up from those those lows is there any advice you could give leaders just because just you're locked in your room the fact that i because i'm a working person had meetings all day you know i wasn't lonely and so i, I really enjoyed you know we had a lot quite a lot of banter you had to work harder at your conversations because you're staring at a screen you know, I wasn't having to get up very early in the morning and get on a train. That whole physical 
impact wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I was able to very... So somebody said to me the one regret they did was not getting a home gym. <laughs> okay. Well, I've, I've got two pieces of equipment and um, that was a godsend because I kept, you know, and I, and I went on a walk every day, often with the family, which I really enjoyed. So yeah. I got some, you know, I, I knew what I've got to do, the, but everyone still had their fears about their family, you know, wider family that was stuck, or whatever, my sister was stuck on her own. So I had an absolute regular call with her at the same time every week, you know, and we carried that on, which, yep. you know, probably didn't do that, didn't spend enough time for her. We, we had a, t- a, a very, very bad situation in the family with someone, a death of, of a young person, so we had that to deal with. And that really, think, well, what have I got to worry about? You know, that that it was so awful. Put it into perspective. Quite it put, I put it into perspective, yeah. And by that stage, I thought, well, okay. I mean, you remember, Trey, you know, all the stuff on the TV about hospitals with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the... It was very scary for many people. It was people. very, very scary. I mean, yeah. the one thing I did, I stopped watching it all. The thing I'm picking up here, Catherine, is you stayed focused. You knew what the critical path was. You understood what you could and couldn't influence or control and were not comfortable with that, but were aware of that. And you kept yourself busy onto that main effort and stayed connected and communicating with those that you wanted to and needed to, both personally and within the business. That's what I'm yeah. picking up from what you're you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose the pressure of it was that it was an active process. So I had to sort of keep reminding myself now, don't panic, you know. The other thing I'm curious about, and you you sort of talked about it at the beginning, was this balance of personal resilience, which those elements on reflection now you're looking back and say, that's what I did, are are brilliant. But how did you manage that with sort of sustainability or performance or just making sure that the business could could survive? What what were those factors? How did you balance those personal and commercial elements? Mm, Well, so these these two... KPIs, for want of objectives, we had once was to preserve the cash and mitigate the the losses. You know, we, that took a lot of effort from all of us, and and we, we got into a really good good way of dealing with that. And um, but you know, every, it was all hands to the deck. So I was chasing debt um, uh, as well as everybody else. We were we were not, you know, there were there were no demarcation lines anymore about who who should do what and who didn't. So it was very much time-consuming. And, you know, we started to get results. When people get results, they get more motivated, et cetera. And I said, you know, we can just about manage. We are not going to have the banks knocking on our door. Yeah. Uh, we, we, ju- we just about manage. We've obviously got the power of the group to protect us. But still, you know, I was very answerable to, to, to the group as to what we could deliver. And they were, they were delighted with what we did deliver. So that you know, boosted everybody. You know, I'd say the spike of work in that was huge. And so we did it in a very, very short space of time. And and so then by the time we, we'd sort of got that in place, and you know, I mean, I, I, the, the government furlough scheme was excellent. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it worked. It worked very, very well. You know, I've got no complaints about what they did. They saved most companies. So suddenly I found that went, time went quite quickly. They were already talking about letting us out again, and some some clients started to open up more. Schools went back because we do a lot of schools. That was 
that was a real watershed moment, you know, that the school yeah. went back because the schools had been back with key workers, children only. So we still had to spend money on labor, you know, that it, that, that was a tricky, tricky situation. And then we, we sort of started to prepare more positively about what, what when everyone opens up. Um, and that in itself created problems because, you know, when you win a contract, you open it up. That takes quite a lot of manpower to do that. But when you open all your contracts, or many of them on one going one, you know, we've never done that before. Never ever done that before. Yeah. And uh, they got, and that those were the things we didn't visualize very well. We didn't predict very well. Because it's so, oh, great, it's open up. But hang on a minute. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Yeah. Because you'd be focused yeah. on the challenge and the crisis that's in front of yeah. you, I guess, and trying to get through that. Yeah. But because there was so much to do, uh, my memory tells me that. That helped me personally get through through the whole thing because I didn't have time to wallow or worry or read the papers too much, read the Daily Mail or watch the TV all the time, which was all a load of rubbish half the time about the government breaking the rules. And I didn't particularly want to hear all that. No. So the, I guess what I'm picking up from this conversation, Catherine, is five things that were really key principles of allowing you to stay resilient and to to get through that crisis the one thing that's really at the heart was hope hope that you know and focusing on that and, and making people feel hopeful about that there was a, a solution and there would be a outcome from this the other thing i'm picking up is that focus and making sure that people were really critical around those key areas both uh, commercially and also you know keeping themselves busy with the focus that they put on there there's also a piece here around keeping people motivated and engaged mm -hmm. and, and by doing that is about communicating and celebrating those successes and I guess the fifth piece was the key learning is is knowing that you know not just looking at what we call the the bell wave but what's coming ahead as well so once the crisis is gone what's that next step once you come out of the storm how do you start planning for that and that's the sort of key learning that you'd share, share yeah and I, th I think going forward you know that what what we went through there and what we're going through now, if we hadn't been through the pandemic, I think we'd find today very, very difficult because, you know, our lives were pretty cushy most of the time before. Sure. And then suddenly, you know, just dealing with one thing of inflation, for instance, in our business is, is a nightmare scenario and, it, and, and there's no getting away from that. But I think I'm very good at now, you know, thinking, OK, that's coming. Let's, you know, what do we do about it? the same focus? Whereas before it would have been a crisis. Same with things like the chain strikes, which really affect our business. Yeah, but we'll get around it. It's it's made everybody better at dealing with a crisis, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, and that, and that leads nicely to my final question, if I may, talking about better at coaching focus. We're all about coaching for a better tomorrow. So I'm yeah. curious to understand how you interpret that, and what is coaching for a better tomorrow? for you just going back to the pandemic for a second again you know all levels were defunct weren't they you know we were all doing jobs whatever we had senior managers going into sites when there was somebody thing feeding key workers because there was nobody else to do it you know and i i was sort of dealing with a couple of levels probably below me if you talk about levels dealing with stuff because it was all hands to the pump literally and, and we and through that you get to know people really well and people in a different way you know I saw people in their own homes I saw people in their 
ordinary clothes I saw that some of them would reveal their whole living room you know whereas I would have a sheet on the back but they they did that and I say I found it intrusive and I, I didn't want to intrude in other people's lives but but we did to an extent and it was a great leveler and then you suddenly start to see that people have got a, a different to how you perceive them and then coupled with what I was learning in my studies through you and your organization and you know I, I knew a lot of it but it, I'd never really brought it all together and uh, looking at myself as well you know I'd never really considered why I did certain things or why I reacted in a certain way or why I felt about certain things because no one really sat me down and said you know we can make you improve better so I had a few tricky situations to deal with whereas the the UK at one point seemed to be behind Europe and so that affected my results and that was sometimes quite a hard conversation so well actually our furlough started a month or don't forget that and I have to keep sort of saying that stand up for myself a bit and um it's always hard when you're sitting in your own home with your kids around etc having some difficult conversation there were some real superstars that came out of the workforce that we're, we're, we're probably managing in a different way now they don't need the type style of management we gave them that they're such they just needed drawing out of themselves giving the opportunity giving them confidence when you're afraid of illness which everybody is, when you're older, you worry about it more. So the younger people didn't care too much about COVID. And so they were much more positive than my age group. And so from that, we learned so much from them. You know, it was just very um, motivating to be in, in a virtual room with, with some of them because they they were ready to go out, you know. They, yeah, they and, and they felt they could share their voice because they felt stronger and more confident. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, there were some people who didn't cope terribly well and were off sick or whatever. And um, I used to think, well, Christ, I am really concerned. I don't want to get this damn thing and end up on a ventilator. But, you know, and everyone got their their little worry. You know, mine was having an some kind of invasive ventilator I was really scared of that I know it sounds ridiculous but that's what I used to worry about at night if I had to go that far you know oh god etc and then I'd worry about the family having that you know etc but that was just something that I'd read in the newspaper and completely exploded in my mind but but so so it was it was seeing different people in different in a different guise really made me think we can do better for our people so at that point, I was doing practice coaching myself and I coached a couple of people in the business who who um, I don't take credit for this, but they did. I sent you a couple of emails They did transform. They've started to, to do really well. You know, we've given them more opportunity, more promotion, et cetera. And they thoroughly deserved it. And I've got a different view of those people than I did before when I knew them roughly. I didn't know them very well. And so, you know, it sort of came to, to the conclusion that, the whole coaching and mentoring as well mentoring I'm very keen on can, can really help people thrive and you need all sorts of people junior senior older younger different genders in a crisis as well as in peacetime sure. <laughs> if that ever, ever comes back <laughs> yeah so um, what I'm hearing you say Catherine is that it allowed you to see individuals in a different light 
yeah. and see their full potential and now adopt a coaching and mentoring approach to really develop that even further and, and, and not only with their development but also building their confidence for them to realize that they can do these things and which the the situation the crisis allowed them to show that and then post that has allowed them to develop that even further yeah, yeah. I mean as, as I said to you before and I you know I'm not I can, I'll never be a, a supporter of work from home really because I'm, our, our business is all about feeding and the services in the workplace so you know I've got to hold that flag up of course but the one thing I know about I mean Teams is a brilliant thing so is Zoom or whatever when I have a conversation with somebody who probably I don't see that often because they're not not in the leadership team or whatever, the few few layers are down, down at the site or whatever, you know, they might come in a room and there's always other people there. So I have a sort of cursory conversation with them. But occasionally I had to have conversations with them on similar conversations because they're on teams. You listen much more intently. You look at the person, they look at you, and you do get, get a different understanding and awareness of them and the same the other way so a you want to be on your best behavior yourself and vice versa so it's just given different perspectives having said that that's the problem with teams and zoom and all those different ones was i found that when i have meetings with lots of people and, and i've met them for the first time i probably won't remember them because okay. there's something about that 3d in the room that you do, even if it, you only sort of glance at them, your brain has taken in that whole thing. And a couple of people said to me, oh, yes, hello, Catherine, again, you know. And I think, Christ, <laughs> I've never met you. <laughs> it was because they were on one tiny little picture sure. at the top. So, so you know, we've, we've had to change everything. Yeah. Well, Catherine, um, sadly, time's got the better of us. But I, I, just listening to your career and the, the fast track and the resilience and, and focus you've had on that and then dealing with the crisis and then understanding how to leverage that learning to take the business forward, yourself forward, and obviously your colleagues in a coaching and mentoring way. It's been a, been a real pleasure. So thank you for your time. And it's great to hear how you've you've maintained that focus, but also that sustainability and resilience through yourself and the business. So thank you for your time, Catherine, and look forward thank to you. again very soon. Thank you very much, Trayton. I've enjoyed it.